This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Like all old sayings, you can't take them literally, but there's a lot of truth in this one. If you eat healthy, such as eating apples, you probably won't have to go see the doctor as much. Now, for those of you who follow this podcast, you may remember I did a segment on the connection between nutrition and mental health only a couple of months ago. Turns out the connection between our food and our mood is much stronger than I ever realized, so it does bear revisiting. Dr. James Greenblatt is a child and adult psychiatrist. He lectures throughout Canada, the US, England, and Asia on the scientific evidence between nutrition and the treatment of mood disorders. He speaks to me from Waltham, Massachusetts, where he is the chief medical officer at Walden Behavioral Center. It's gut check time, right now on The Happy Molecule. Hello, Dr. Greenblatt, thanks for joining me. Uh, my pleasure. Good to be with you. Um, I guess that somewhere along the line, we, for whatever reason, decided that mind and body were two separate things. And up until now, we've really concentrated on treating them that way. But, but your work is really about that the mind, the body are all one thing. Uh, you know, I, I try to make a joke sometimes that, you know, the field of psychiatry and medicine forgot we had a neck, you know, connecting the body <laughs> and the mind. And it is just um, really tragic that uh, certainly my field of psychiatry that we really avoided um, pursuing and understanding that, you know, what happens in the body, whether it's uh, nutritional deficiencies or hormonal imbalances, affect our thoughts, our feelings, and our behavior. Integrative psychiatry. That is, may not be a fully new field, but it's definitely something that is uh, being talked about more. So what is integrative psychiatry? Sure, I mean, I I think integrative psychiatry is is a term that has caught on because many of the academic... um, uh, universities, Stanford, Harvard, and uh, there's about 30 of them that have centers for integrative medicine. And this is where in the old days used to be called complementary and alternative. So they will have programs like acupuncture, maybe chiropractic, maybe massage, maybe nutrition that, ser- that complement a traditional medical model. And, you know, I think it's great. And, and mindfulness and uh, seems to have taken over many of these centers as a, as a key kind of modality. And that's what the academic world has embraced, and that's great. Uh, in, in my world, I think there's so much more that we could do, and I use the term functional medicine or functional psychiatry to kind of expand, extend an integrative model to look at root cause. Tell me a little bit, okay, so what is functional psychiatry? You know, the field of functional medicine has been around for years, and um, 
you know, maybe started 30 years ago, and it, it tried to kind of help us understand that there was um, underlying uh, root causes, and it could be inflammation, it could be infections, it could be uh, head injury, uh, could be a nutritional deficiency. So we didn't just kind of see an illness like depression, which is my field, that all, you know, depression is caused by a antidepressant uh, Prozac deficiency, that there are many causes, underlying causes. It could be nutritional, hormonal, psychological, uh, and, and we need to understand that for each individual. So functional medicine is looking at underlying causes for these symptoms that we just randomly defined as depression or anxiety. It's interesting because a moment ago you had mentioned acupuncture, and I think that's a, a great uh, comparison because if I go in to see an acupuncturist and I, I'm complaining of a sore back, all of a sudden they're putting needles in my ear. So we're finding out that there's there's parts of the body that may be in pain, but there's other parts of the body causing the pain. Absolutely. I, I think a traditional acupuncture model is a good example. And um, so much of psychiatry is just symptomatic-based medications. If you're anxious, you get anti-anxiety. If you're depressed, you get antidepressant. With no concept of thinking you know, beyond that one symptom, one pill. Yeah. You know, you wake up every morning with a headache. What do you do? You take an aspirin and it goes away. Right. It's done. But you wake up the next morning with a headache, and the next morning, and you take another aspirin. And and I guess this is where functional medicine comes into play. Absolutely. And, you know, the headache is not a bad example, just to take it a step further. If you went to your doctor and said you had a bad headache, they probably wouldn't just give you an aspirin. They would want to do tests and blood tests and x-rays to find out what might be causing it. Is it a brain tumor or is it stress? And uh, all the hundred other things. But when you go to a psychiatrist, we don't do any testing. We don't do any blood work. And we don't look for that underlying cause. We just give you that symptomatic-based pill. And, and that has been, I think, tragic for many patients. Now, some patients benefit and do fine. But other patients are really struggling, and that symptom-based model does not work. And then we create another problem, and that is withdrawal from the pill. Well, absolutely. Our antidepressants are, you know, frightening in terms of some of the side effects, and withdrawal is one, um, but there's also increased suicide risk, you know, black box warnings as well as, you know, weight gain and sexual side effects. But, you know, it's very awkward for me as a psychiatrist to sit across from a parent of a depressed adolescent who's thinking of suicide to tell them that one of the side effects of this medicine might be to increase suicidal ideation. So, you know, something's wrong with the system. And the withdrawal is um, been growing concern because the field of psychiatry pretty much ignored this uh, when people started talking about it and uh, now uh, patients are really struggling and they can't get off these medications uh, without very, very uh, significant um, side effects. 
What I find really interesting is, I mean, what I do, what shows like this do, uh, so many groups and organizations do so well, and that is to try and take away the stigma around mental health. But it, it seems to me that within the, the, the professional community of mental health, there's a stigma against nutritional health and alternative medicine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm a traditionally trained psychiatrist, I, and I train doctors, and I prescribe medicine uh, when necessary. Um, but what has been completely ignored in, in lots of fields of medicine, but uh, mental health is uh, probably lagged way behind, is understanding that, you know, nutrition, malnutrition affects brain function and uh, has relevance to our mental health. And, and we have research going back decades and decades supporting this connection, but really ignored by the uh, psychiatric community. You've written about something called a tomato effect. Uh, tell me more about that. Uh, sure. This was a term that was actually written by two um, physicians in the 1980s, and they uh, was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, a very prestigious journal. And what they tried to talk about is what they described as a tomato effect, and which was an analogy to in the United States that we refused to eat tomatoes for 200 years from the 1600s to the 1800s because we just thought tomatoes were poisonous because they were a nightshade family. So even though we knew people coming back and forth from Europe where tomatoes were part of the culture, that in the United States for 200 years, we wouldn't eat tomatoes because the cultural kind of influence at the time was they're poisonous. And it took um, somebody in 1800 who stood up with a basket full of tomatoes in a square in Salem, New Jersey, and he didn't die. And um, so now we eat tomatoes. So they use this as a, as a kind of a, a metaphor for you know, efficacious treatments, particularly nutritional interventions that it's just not part of our cultural mentality of, of medicine, particularly psychiatry, that a vitamin or a mineral or a phytochemical might affect a psychiatric illness. And that's kind of why we use that term, the tomato effect, to really kind of press upon that. It's really the cultural norm that has to shift. Do you, do you think that with medication... Uh, because we know, and we're learning in the latest research, that in order to treat so many different mental health uh, problems, you know, such as PTSD, that time is of the essence, that we need to get to the root of a cause very soon. And the, the more years we put it off, the more rooted it, it is in our brains. So with, with pills and with medication, are we sort of helping this delay along? Well, certainly uh, the goal uh, is obviously prevention, another major area uh, not um, discussed or well-researched in mental health and uh, mental illness. So you're absolutely right. The earlier we can treat, um, the better outcomes, you know, across all major psychiatric illnesses. Yes, and oftentimes the culture of, polypharmacy, multiple pills, um, would delay 
looking at the underlying cause, would delay uh, you know, certain kinds of therapy that might be of help. You know, one in, in my field, yeah, I do a lot of blood tests, and one of, I think, the biggest tragedies of medicine is neglecting to look at B12 levels. So vitamin B12 is, is commonly deficient, and uh, very low B12 can result in depression and anxiety. And if, if some people I've seen have gone through the mental health system for years, five or ten years, and with multiple medications not working great, and we had a second medicine for the side effects of the first, but when we do the testing, they are profoundly deficient in vitamin B12. And by just putting on the medication, it delayed that treatment, um, which really changed the course of all of those symptoms. So should we be asking our doctors to check our B12 levels if, if, for those of us who live with depression and maybe even for those of us who don't? Should should we all be saying, check my B12 levels? Well, I mean, in my work, there are a lot of things um, that should be checked because they can be confused with B, uh, depression. And, and we wrote about this in, in our books and our courses. But absolutely, not looking at a B12 level, not looking at a vitamin D level, because we've seen very low levels of vitamin D in depression, all research-based, I, I think is uh, tragic and, and poor medicine. You know, thyroid and anemia, you know, also is commonly missed. Uh, absolutely, we should be looking at blood tests. We should be treating depression as an illness. So now that there's less shame and stigma, so people are seeking help, we also have to add the medical biological component to that evaluation. Do you know what just dawned on me uh, as you were talking was that, and I don't know if this word has been added to the dictionary yet, but most likely you've heard of the word hangry, uh, when people are hungry and, and they feel angry and they feel very short. Uh, obviously, I mean, the obvious connection there is definitely between nutrition and your mood. Absolutely. I mean, we can associate with blood sugar changes, cortisol changes, absolutely, hormonal changes, um, that kind of level of irritability and anger um, related to eating or not eating is absolutely nutritional and needs to be addressed. One of my biggest concerns are youth, teens, and young adults right now. Um, we don't take child psychology and, and, and a child's mental health. Uh, seriously, we, we just don't. Uh, and, and then we get into teenagers and we confuse teenage angst with suicidal ideations or, or, or uh, depression. So that goes hand in hand with the fact that our youth are eating like crap. And it's our fault, you know, as, as parents. And, and we're, we're saying it's just easier to, to do some takeout, to run over through a drive through or something like that. So how, how much work is being done at preventative mental health therapy? So getting to children young, very young. Well, I, I, as a child psychiatrist, I certainly um, share your concern and um you know, the average age of onset of symptoms for every major mental illness, you know, is around 14 and 50, um, and it's missed. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard uh, 
85% of, of depression start it gets its start in youth. Absolutely, and there, there's no organized preventative uh, research and, and intervention. A crisis when the adolescent is depressed or suicidal or cutting themselves. And, um, you know, I also work uh, during the day at an eating disorder facility, and we've seen dramatic increases in eating disorders over the past year where, you know, malnutrition due to self-starvation is just, um, you know, part of this illness. And so much of it has to do with, um, you know, our what we're feeding our kids, what we're not feeding our kids, and our ability to um, uh, understand when these illnesses start. Uh, tell me more about eating disorders. So we've, we have seen an increase in the last year since lockdown. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, rates doubled um, for like 10 years before, up until 2018. And mm-hmm. what's happened uh, after the pandemic, uh, there are waiting lists uh, for almost every eating disorder program in, in this country and actually globally. Uh, eating disorder rates have just um, skyrocketed and people cannot get the care they need because there's just not enough treatment uh, facilities and or specialists in eating disorders. And, you know, eating disorders are life-threatening. These are life-threatening illnesses. I think we've all known that they're life-threatening illnesses. But, w- but as far as... We know, and I, and I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show my ignorance as well. It, it, it seems that we've always thought that eating disorders were just simply people who viewed their bodies as being, you know, overweight when they're actually not, and, and that's the explanation we have lived with for so many years. What is an eating disorder? What causes that? Well, I, I think the good news for the, the field of eating disorders over the past couple of years. Um, it is quite clear now um, that we have the research to support anorexia nervosa and binge eating disorder, that these are brain-based illnesses with a genetic vulnerability, and the uh, genetic vulnerability and, and uh, interaction with the environment, be it stress, malnutrition, inflammation, celiac disease, uh, creates this um, disorder where food can't be eaten, um, and a a really distortion of perception. So if we start to treat them as brain-based illnesses, not as psychological illnesses, one, we stop blaming kids and parents, and two, we can get some help. But yeah, the life-threatening, more kids, um, higher mortality rate and higher suicide rate of any psychiatric illness, completely ignored by um, the medical and uh, often the psychiatric community. Uh, I just interviewed uh, uh, Dr. McIntyre, uh, who is uh, one of the leading researchers uh, in North America uh, for bipolar. And he was saying to me that that out of the patients he sees in youth, when when youth come in, uh, you know, complaining of depression, that he's finding as many as 40, 44 percent of them have bipolar. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're seeing it, you know, and, and the reason I, he, he was saying we're seeing, we seem to be seeing an increase is we've been misdiagnosing it for years. So can you, can you, is there any connection here between nutrition and bipolar? Well, actually, of all the psychiatric illnesses, um, 
you know, that I've been trading for 35 years, uh, bipolar, you know, tends to have this genetic component and sometimes the least uh, influence in terms of the uh, illness uh. by nutrition. But what we're, where we have found nutrition to be incredibly important is in either triggering relapse or um, getting somebody uh, kind of stable because, you know, sleep deprivation, lifestyle changes, uh, poor nutrition can certainly trigger uh, these episodes, but there tends to be such a strong uh, genetic component. It is not as simple as sometimes we find for a depression or anxiety or uh, ADHD. Okay, so let's get down to some practical, functional uh, advice here. What would you say are the most important things we need to start doing with our diet, whether it's taking something out of it, putting something into it? If you had a wish list and you could say to everyone in North America, all right, starting tomorrow, you need to do this. I think in terms of dietary intake, uh, that's pretty simple because it, it kind of boils down to, you know, refined sugar. Uh, I think that, you know, we have enough research um, supporting uh, what sugar does to the body. I call it a nutritional vacuum cleaner. It depletes nutrients, but it also kind of wreaks havoc with so many other physiological factors. You know, we have, um, you know, this big debate that you go vegan or do you eat, you know, paleo, meat, or, or vegetarian. And, and what is interesting, all these diets, certainly the weight loss ones, you know, both diets cause weight loss, but all the studies, people eliminated refined sugar um, for the efficacious outcomes. So I, I do think that is by far the number one concern for our kids and, and probably for many adults um, in terms of uh, health, mental health, as well as physical mm -hmm. health. All right. What else do we need to do? I think what we talked about earlier, uh, make sure that your doctor uh, does some routine screening of nutrient deficiencies that we know can affect mental health. And that would be vitamin B12, vitamin D, iron are probably the most important. What about magnesium? Magnesium is, is something you speak of often. Yeah, I think magnesium is the one nutrient that uh, I recommend to every one of my patients, regardless of testing, because it's the uh, you know, first nutrient that disappears um, in our food when we process it, and also in our body under stress. So, you know, as cortisol levels go up, and that could be a traffic jam, you know, to a, a death, um, that magnesium is depleted. So... Magnesium is commonly depleted. We see it across all major psychiatric illnesses, ADHD, 80-90%, anxiety, depression, PTSD. So magnesium supplementation, I think, is critical. We just don't get the amount of magnesium in our food that we did 100 years ago. I have to say to you, doctor, though, we get bombarded about supplements. You need magnesium. You need this. You need that. It, it can be just 
overwhelming, so much so that you just shut it all out and say, you know what, I'm just going to have a burger right now. So what's the answer to a well-balanced uh, diet uh, that, that includes all the vitamins and minerals and supplements that you need? And I know that's not an easy answer. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, your first point is um, as many uh, we can get nutrients from our diet, so eating whole foods. Um, be it animal or plant-based. So, uh, and then the work that we do, and, and not everyone can can do this, is you know we develop nutrition plans based on testing. So we would make sure you're not deficient in magnesium or zinc or B12, and and that's not practical for everyone. But I think supplementation should be based on individuality because we have different needs. And again, the B12 and D should be based on testing. I think magnesium and a uh, would be one that would not be based on testing, as well as, you know, I'm a fan of, of vitamin C. I think uh, we're one of the few species on the planet that can't make our own vitamin C, also depleted under stress. So my kind of, you know, magnesium, vitamin C, and, you know, a multivitamin with, with B vitamins, you know, is probably sufficient unless you have health problems where you should be working with a health care professional to personalize the nutrition plan. Now, I'll tell you the biggest problem with your prescription, doctor, is the fact that it takes time and effort. Whereas if I just take a pill, it's done. And that's it. So it's tough to be patient isn't it to 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 sort of say listen it took us years to get into this it's going to take us a little while to get out of it you're absolutely right benny uh, that's you know why you know medicine is still part of my practice and sometimes we try to relieve the symptoms um as patients become uh, more uh, collaborative in wanting to get at the underlying cause or change their diet you know my goal is to kind of improve their mood and their life and if it's a medicine, we'll use a medicine. If they're open to looking deeper, we do that. And oftentimes, as they feel better, they're more motivated and also can focus more on, on taking care of their health. I mean, yeah, again, I, that's what we have yeah, I, is our health. Yeah. Uh, uh, I do a webinar series for uh, at work and, and uh, stress release at, at work. And, and, I mean, the numbers show. Like, it's not just healthier for your staff. It's better productivity. Uh, the World Health Organization says that for every dollar you put into mental health care, you get $4 back in, in your return on that investment. The uh, need for both understanding, prevention, and treatment uh, is huge um, to take care of our mental health needs and uh, make sure that people understand it's, it's okay to ask for help and, and help is available. How are you personally, doctor, um, finding your way through the current uh, the, the, the current crisis we're in, but also for being accepted? Um, do you find that more and more people are finally realizing that the mind and body are one, or is it still quite an uphill battle and we have a long way to go? No, I mean, I, I think the good news is people are understanding the connection, you know, people focused on the gut and everyone liked the mind gut and the probiotics uh, affecting mood 
people understand nutrition, they're bombarded, as you said, with ads. You know, I think what just hasn't come as far as I would like is probably the research and the medical community uh, helping guide patients uh, struggling with mental illness on where nutrition and dietary interventions fit in. Um, consumers are finding this information on their own, and, and that's not always the best. And it, it also, unfortunately, as so many things do in our society, uh, it, it really is divided by uh, finance, by, by income levels, that it's easier and cheaper to eat poorly than it is to have a healthy diet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what's the line? That, you know, your zip code determines your health more than your genetic uh, DNA code. Um, <laughs> And true. I think it's um, very, very, you know, sad, uh, but it's true. Just to wrap things up here, would you mind sending a message to any parents listening out there right now? It's a, it's a frustrating time when it comes to the mental health when you're worried about your children. We always worry about our children. But we're seeing them go through turmoil that we really have not seen in generations, uh, especially after lockdown. We have suicide rates that, I mean, here in Canada, the, the, the suicide rate among teens is second only to accidents. Um, we have children uh, and teens cutting themselves and hurting themselves. Uh, and, and, and as we mentioned, the, the incidence of bipolar seem to be skyrocketing. And all this, and parents sometimes can't even, you know, they talk to their teens and the, it's sometimes just the, they don't want to talk. What can you say to them, uh, any sort of message of hope? Well, I think that the, the field of psychiatry is changing, and as we've discussed, the stigma and the shame is, is slowly lifting, so people are getting treatment. And, you know, the hope for any parent where they've utilized um, medicines or had side effects of medicines or not the eff efficacy they hoped for that there are really good integrative and functional doctors that can kind of help you look deeper and, and uh, look at nutrient deficiencies, look at uh, infections um, that might be contributing uh, to your child's symptoms. So I think understanding that the hope for me in terms of mental illness is the availability of uh, therapists and psychiatrists but more importantly, the growing number of integrative and functional doctors uh, helping uh, families understand its role in mental illness. Yeah, I, and I, you know, more so than, than you know, physical problems, uh, I always try and advise people, you know what, arm yourself with information. And, and you know what, quiz your doctor, challenge your doctor, be your own mental health advocate. Absolutely, really important. And, you know, the reality is some of our consumers, our patients, know more about nutrition than our doctors. And, you know, <laughs> I think you're right. They have to demand more and, and get the facts. And there are growing numbers of um, well-trained, uh, integrative and functional clinicians. This has been very interesting. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Glad I could have an opportunity to talk with you. 
Dr. Greenblatt is author of seven books, including Finally Focus, the Breakthrough Natural Treatment Plan for ADHD, Nutritional Lithium, a Cinderella Story, Answers to Anorexia, Integrative Medicine for Alzheimer's, Integrative Medicine for Binge Eating, and Integrative Medicine for Depression. I suggest you check them out. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. Until then, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.